The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic. And this is suddenly last season, where we're talking about shows that were just canceled, very recently failed. Yeah, our, um, our last episode was devoted to Jupiter's Legacy, the expensive Netflix bomb that was canceled. Before I think they even aired every episode, uh, I think, I think, I think they, they dumped were, it all. Oh, they dumped it all in one Netflix. day. Right. They usually dump it all in one yeah, day. So um, they they, but they dumped it, it all in one day, and then they before anyone had finished watching, very it. shortly after that, they were going to cancel it. So yeah. that was just off the table. And uh, the, that yeah. was based on a comic book. Now we're going to, uh, and I'm not exactly sure what sort of cultural clout this has. Mm-hmm. And this is how I feel about every TV show that's being adapted from a film. Uh, how popular the source material really was, like how much cultural cloud it was still carrying in 2021. Yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, the crime series Lincoln Rhyme Hunt for the Bone Collector. The great Lincoln Rhyme. You're going to want to see this. Well, kiss my ass. You can thank Officer Sachs here for saving that evidence. I read your file. Cop going for her PhD in criminal psychology. You're a blank slate with great instincts. Is that a compliment? I'd like to be my point person in the department. I'm ready for another shot at the bastard who put me in this bed. You want to be in a crime scene without ever leaving your bed? Two cameras, 360-degree view, voice comm through an earpiece. Billy, can you hear me? I'm right here with you. I feel the okay, so the, the Bone Collector was originally a novel uh, by Jeffrey Deaver, and it's actually a successful novel. It's had a whole bunch of uh, follow-ups with titles like The Coffin Dancer and The Stone Monkey. (laughs) Uh, And uh, it led to a pretty dang successful movie uh, in the late 90s starring Denzel Washington, uh, Angelina Jolie, and Queen Latifah. And And, uh, the premise was uh, the main character, Lincoln Rhyme, mm -hmm. uh, the the, the main detective... uh, was uh, paralyzed by the bone collector. Yeah, he's actually a, who is a serial killer. Yeah, he's a, he's tetraplegic. Mm. He's confined uh, to a bed. He can he can only move uh, his head pretty much, and uh, as a result, it's hard for him to do the usual action movie shtick. And so he teams up with a, a beat cop played by Angelina Jolie, who is actually very bright and has very good instincts. Uh, so she can be his eyes and ears out in the field, and he can use his brilliant Sherlock Holmesian mind. Uh, in order to finally solve the case of this ruthless serial killer. Uh, The Bone Collector was, uh, the movie, one of a series of serial killer thrillers in the 1990s that were mostly kicked off by The Silence of the Lambs. The Silence of the Lambs, and and only 
you know, Seven was part of this wave, and Seven really bolstered it because that was a big yeah. hit as well. Kiss the Girls was and a gigantic hit. Kiss the Girls, Along Came a Spider, mm-hmm. Double Jeopardy is in that camp. Um, Double Jeopardy is in my serial killer, but it's a similar uh, so, yeah, thriller similar, vibe. Yeah, Ashley of, it, Judd got her own subgenre yeah. there for a while. Um, the Fugitive was not, but I would argue that its sequel, U.S. Marshals, kind of was. Yeah. It, it had a little bit more of like a that, that pulpy airport novel tone. Yeah, airport the, novel um, is definitely the vibe here. These are very mm-hmm. pulpy films. However, what I think is most interesting is that most of the really successful ones were police procedurals like 50 percent police procedural and 50 percent horror movie yeah they were very lurid they were very dark they were very uh, they're trying to be very edgy the murders were incredibly violent and uh they invariably involved doing something creative with a corpse yeah there's Uh, always a serial killer who's trying to be uh, more outlandish than the most recent one because otherwise it can't really build a whole movie so around. I, I, I'm the deer killer and I sew my victims to deer bodies. and Yeah. Uh, it, it just gets increasingly ridiculous. Uh, it really kind of hit its peak with the TV series Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Where, Which came along quite a bit later. Quite, but quite a bit that, later, but they, yeah. they took these notions that were being introduced to us in the 90s and just sort of writ them larger. Yeah. So all of a sudden... Uh, the, it's the, a whole opera. Yeah, the, 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 the cop is now pretty much legitimately psychic, like he has superpowers at this point, uh, and... Like every third person you run into is a serial killer, and they all recognize each other because they have serial killer spider sense. Yeah, they just they uh, look across the room and they know yeah. that you've killed a lot of people, and somehow you've like turned their intestines into violin wire so you could play the best violin ever. Yeah, and it, then it, you, you have to have... do like a kung fu fight with them. Like, and it's <laughs> and Hannibal the series. It, I was it's completely to- absurd. I was totally on board with that series, and I still am. Uh-huh. I love that series. We do have to acknowledge that it is fundamentally absurd. It is so over the top, much like its characters, uh, that it's kind of the perfect encapsulation of this whole genre. Mm. Because the whole serial killer, pulp, crime thriller genre that was, again, wasn't really invented in the 90s, but was very much codified in the 90s. Super popularized. uh, These are not down-to-earth, you know, realistic cop dramas. These are... Wild, lurid, uh, all, and, and frankly, often absurd horror stories with a cop in them, basically. And uh, some of them are quite good. And The Bone Collector, uh, directed by Philip Noyce, is actually quite good. Yeah, Philip Noyce has a, a really... He made a lot of hits. He made oh, those yeah. Jack Ryan movies. He made, he uh, made Patriot Games and Clear yeah. Present Danger, two of the good ones. Uh, he did Dead Calm, which mm. is fucking great. He yeah, did yeah. Blind Fury, which is very silly and wonderful. So an American uh, Zatoichi adaptation. Yep. Uh, he did Salt with Angelina Jolie, which does kick ass. Which, that's that's an excellent movie. I yeah. love Salt. Uh, uh, yeah, just an excellent filmmaker. Mm. Just a, a you know doesn't necessarily have a particularly unique signature style, but he can just kind of do anything. I'm actually surprised he never made a James Bond movie. He would have been yeah, kind of perfect yeah, for it. He was right in that, uh, right yeah. in that camp. Uh, and now we have, for some reason, we're digging up these novels. Now, the novels have continued to write, to mm-hmm. be published. Um, yep, still going. Yeah, that, that's the uh, Lincoln Rhyme series is still going. And uh, yeah, this, this premise of um, a, co- uh, a cop who is confined to a bed and can only look at TV screens and communicate through microphones and cameras yeah. while they help, like, while they're sort of the mastermind helping a team out in the field. Not a bad premise. It's it's, it's novel. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's um, the the star of... the uh, Denzel Washington played Lincoln Rhyme in the movie, and here uh, we've got Russell Hornsby, very good actor, uh, taking over the role. Um, it's a little disappointing that this was kind of a golden opportunity for representation, 
uh, for mm. a, a disabled uh, actor. Yeah. We didn't go there. Uh, but uh, I think Russell Hornsby is very good in this. Mm. Uh, we've got... Uh, as in the in the Angelina Jolie role, we've got an actor named Ariel Kebel, uh, who was he's done a lot of TV. They were on Gilmer Girls, mm. uh, The Vampire Diaries, uh, that reboot of Nine Hundred Two One Zero. They were on Ballers, uh, the mm. uh, Dwayne Johnson series, uh, and um, and then there's also a bunch of like new characters. Well, who this, this, I don't this is a, really. It's an ongoing series, so rather than yeah. it be just the two of them, like a two-hander yeah. investigation show, you now need the team. So, in addition yeah. to this, we have uh, the sort of uh, nerdy research guy. We have mm. sort of like uh, the the tech nerd girl, and we have like no, it's the, a, it's the, a tech nerd one. guy, and then uh, the uh, the the other girl. She's the um, sort of the forensic oh, scientist. Right. She gets really like excited by dead bodies and stuff. Mm. Um, and then we and have, then you have, and we have the, the grizzled old veteran who's also on, uh, part, on uh, the team. Played by Michael Imperioli, mm-hmm. uh, who, frankly, seems a little too good for the size of his role in the show. Like, Michael <laughs> Imperioli is a very respectable actor. Michael mm-hmm. Imperioli's been acting for, for many, many years now. Uh, I've been a fan of him since he played Spider in Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he just plays older cop number one. Yeah. Here. Sure, he doesn't really have a lot to work with, and it's that's kind of a shame. I, I like I, I like older cop. Like he's a good enough actor that he's bringing a lot of personality to very little. And um, yeah. same with uh, Brooke Lyons, who plays uh, she she was Kate. She's the forensic uh, person. She yeah. uh, she clearly modeled after the Polly Perrette character from um, I think it's NCIS. NCIS, yeah. who was like, like sort of this like feisty teenage goth who was also their computer expert. Uh, you uh, might know her from uh, The Affair uh, as one of her, yeah, uh, her biggest never, roles never uh, today. That. She was on Two Broke Girls for mm-hmm. a while. And uh, their headquarters is Lincoln Rhymes' home. They mm-hmm. operate out of his place because uh, it's e- equipped with all the, the things he needs to, uh, to live. Which he shares mm-hmm. with his caregiver, Claire, uh, played by Rosalind Ruff. Uh, Rosalind Ruff, uh, you might know from stuff like uh, uh, Rachel Getting Married. Mm. Uh, that was a good movie. I yeah. like that movie. She's uh, she's on The Godfather of Harlem. Uh, so uh, she was in Madam Secretary for a while. Uh, and I, I actually like the the wrinkle they gave to Claire because I don't recall this being in the. I haven't read the books. I only seen mm-hmm. the movie. I don't recall this being in the movie. But um, she is actually agoraphobic. Yeah, she, and she has she, trouble leaving has, the house. She, she kind of has to leave. Yeah, live with she's Lincoln encouraging Rhyme, she's Lincoln Rhyme to try to like you know. Stop feeling sorry for himself and actually try to like sort of re-engage with the world uh, and go outside more. While she herself will not, uh, mm-hmm. and that's actually an, an interesting irony. And I actually really like their relationship together. I think Russell Hornsby and Rosalind Ruff play off each other really, really well. Um, but the, ostensibly, the other main lead is Ariel Kebble, and Amelia Sachs is introduced uh, with an, I th- which I, I think in kind of an interesting way. Um, in the original movie and in the pilot, it happens differently, but the way that these two characters meet is Amelia Sachs is on her usual daily rounds, and then they stumble across a serial killer crime scene. Mm-hmm. However, because of something that's about to happen, the crime scene is about to get ruined. In the movie, I believe it's about to start raining, mm-hmm. uh, or something similar, and in the show, uh, a subway is about to run over the corpse. So it, right. in the movie, she basically just tries to collect as much evidence as she can, knowing next to nothing but just using common sense 
about how to take pictures of things and make sure there are things in the picture to, um, you know, create uh, context, you know, make sure like make sure a footprint's next to a $1 bill so you know exactly how big the footprint is, that kind of thing. Smart things. Uh, and in the show, she has to, like, play chicken with a subway, like with a, with a train car. It's <laughs> make it a lot more exciting. It's a, it's a bit ridiculous, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, in the show, she has a younger sister uh, who disappears quickly after being used as kidnapping fodder. Uh, and then uh, they also mention that uh, she has a variety of anxiety issues. Uh, which she lied about on her FBI application, which is why she couldn't uh, become a serial killer profile, which was her dream. Uh, uh, This doesn't come up very often, though. It stems from the fact of of trauma she uh, experienced as a child Mm -hmm. when uh, a a criminal murder... It's like the Batman story, a criminal murdered her parents in front of her. Yeah, but like the idea... And I was actually really excited because I was like, oh, so here's a cop show where one of the cops has a variety of anxiety issues. Mm. And that's something we usually don't see. Often cops in these movies are very resilient or they can have they can get drunk and then get over their shit or whatever like that. And the idea of having one who was actively dealing with mental health issues is really exciting to me. It doesn't come up very often. In fact, most of the no. episodes you'd never know. No, and, and in fact, we're, we're laying down all this backstory. A lot of this is completely insignificant to the structure of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a, a, a hard-hitting character piece. There aren't a lot of moments where the characters sit and talk. There's just enough moments where the characters sit and talk. Mm-hmm. The This is taking the Bone Collector idea, which is kind of a grisly idea and was mm-hmm. uh, played for shocks when it came out. Um, yeah. Bone collector collects bones, sees human beings as just piles of things, and wants to rip yeah. them apart and, and collect bones. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where, and it's probably in the book too, where uh, Angelina Jolie is like uh, trekking through a sewer. She's got a camera so Lincoln Rhyme can watch along, and she's got a, an earpiece. And they find like a, I think it's a burnt corpse. It's mutilated in some way. Yeah. And uh, Lincoln Rhyme notices that the handcuffs are really like unique they're interesting in some way they're a clue yeah but in order to get to the handcuffs she would have to saw the hands off of the corpse and she's way too squeamish to take care of something like that so it's like i needed to saw the hands off and she's it's all played for horror and she ends up having to leave without doing it it's like Mm -hmm. don't ask me to saw up corpses that's not my thing yeah um this tv series on nbc (laughs) it's an nbc (laughs) show doesn't have has none of that Grand Guignol quality at no, all. No, not really. It, it's it, it it's in there, but we're so used to it now. That stuff was grisly in the '90s. That this is just regular Law and Order fodder. Well, it's not. Here's the deal. I think this is what it boils down to: is all of that stuff's in there, and it could have been played up. Yeah, maybe not to the Hannibal level of we're playing everything on a scale of one to ten. This is a fifteen. But it could have been played up on a level of one to Bone Collector or one mm. to Kiss the Girls or whatever. Um. Basically, all you had to do was treat the idea of these murders. And mm. uh, uh, the whole season arc is catching the Bone Collector, and most of the episodes are dedicated to that. But a little more than half the episodes also have a crime of the week. Um, basically, anytime there was a murderer or something grisly, play it for scares mm. instead of just playing it as a typical is, police procedural. This is a crime scene, yeah. Yeah, instead they treat it as a typical police procedural, the kind of thing you'd see on... Uh, Law and Order, or pretty much anything, any of any of the major ripoffs, and Uh, and as a result, this the selling point, which hmm. is, I mean, a there's the there's the idea of Lincoln Ryan, who's a very distinctive protagonist, 
but the other selling point is we're catching the grisliest killer. Yeah. Is completely undermined. Well, it's undermined because if you're dealing with the world's grisliest killer, how do you can continue that into a series? Now, I know there's a, the approach to a lot of cable and streaming shows is to just tell a really long movie. Have yeah. all of the, the episodes just interconnect and it just there's yeah. a break every hour, essentially. Every season of Dexter is a different movie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is an NBC series, so it's a lot more episodic. And you can't have, A, the gore on network TV, and B, you can't have those same kinds of arcs on network TV. So they're going you actually can, for... You can, they just, they struggle with it. You can, yeah. but uh, clearly they're going for a, the hit police procedural yeah. uh, mold, which has proven very successful in the past. How, how many how many hours of Law & Order are there? I don't think I've lived that many hours. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, SVU alone yeah, is S- like old enough to drink. SVU, I think, is on its, like, 26th or 27th season It's astounding. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. the original Law & Order ended after 20. Um, I I think Criminal Intent ended, but I I don't know about that. There's a million of them is the point. Yeah, I've lost the beat on on all of the newest of the Law & Orders. Yeah, but then you add Um, in your NCISs, your CSIs. So we have uh, this sort of hybrid thing where we're chasing the bone collector and we're given clues a little bit in every episode. Mm. And we meet the bone collector early on. We know who it is. That's a new wrinkle, because in the movie it was a twist. Uh, mm. And um, I'm not going to write it for you, but in the movie it was a twist. In this one, we see the, the actual gag, and it's actually a pretty clever way to start the series because it well, gives let you. Me, a, let me finish my thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Well, just they have the hybrid model where we, have, we know a little bit about the serial killer, but then we also have a case of the week. Exactly. That's all I wanted to say. No, anyway, I think I think the pilot episode is very well structured. I think it's one of those things where the cast hadn't quite found their roles yet. A lot of people are kind of just giving perfunctory mm. plot things to do. Uh, but the general gist of it is uh, our protagonist uh, stumbles across a body, has to do something remarkable in order to preserve the crime scene. Uh, Lincoln Rhyme, who has retired from crime fighting uh, mm. after a prologue in which he was trying to save someone from the bone collector, failed, fell from a great height, and now he's, he's uh, tetraplegic. Uh he is pulled out of retirement mm. in order to investigate perhaps the return of the bone collector. Uh, and the twist at the end of the episode is that this was a copycat. Mm. So that's clever, actually. It gives you this sense of closure in, in the pilot. But at, by the end of the pilot, we see the actual bone collector looking at TV, seeing that Lincoln Rhyme is, is up again, my arch nemesis, and deciding to go, to go back into business. And um, that's neat. That's a pretty Ooh. clever way to handle it. Yeah. Uh, the the bone collector, excuse me, is played by an actor named Brian F. O'Byrne, who's been around for a long, long time. He played a priest in Million Dollar Baby. Uh, he was in the Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. He was in that uh, William Freaking movie Bug. Um, so like you've probably seen him in something. He's a very recognizable character actor. Mm-hmm. And the gimmick with his character is that. He's starting to, you know, get back up to speed, get back into this mojo, start killing again. He's also happily married, and mm. his wife has no idea what he does. And he's got to keep it from her. And he's got to, like, sort of engineer excuses for, like, hey, let's go back to New York. Remember when we lived in New York and how much nicer everything was? Um, and so he's got to basically trick her into doing things that will facilitate his serial killings. Mm. Um, which is Clever, actually. Oh. I think that's. I think that's. Uh, it, it gives us a little bit more suspense. When's she gonna find out? Is she gonna find out? Mm. Uh, and um, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. It works. And um, and and, uh, and 
that story does come to a conclusion. Yes, it does. In, in, in a, a really a pretty, sad one. Pr- pretty, pretty shocking way. Um, yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. What happens is, this isn't really super relevant to the rest of the plot. Um, she finds in their apartment a whole bunch of photographs like, that pol- the bone Polaroids, collect- yeah. Polaroids that the bone collector has taken of his various uh, uh, crimes and victims. And she's horrified. Mm. And she tells him, like, I found all these photographs. And he's like, oh... Hmm. And she's like, yeah, we should tell the cops we found these in our apartment. One of the previous tenants was, hey, didn't we used to know her? Hmm. And he's like, okay, I need to suffocate you now. (laughs) And he, like, ties her up, and he's like, there's a whole episode of just him debating what to do about this. Hmm. And she's trying to talk him down. It's like, listen, you're starting to screw up. Yeah. I didn't know for years. Now you're letting your guard down. You're making mistakes. It's only a matter of time before you're caught. You love me. I believe that. Why don't you just let me go? Mm. I'll give you a head start, and I'll tell them you're, you you escaped, and then go on the lamb, and good luck to you. And that's the best I can do. And he lets her go, and then snaps her neck, <laughs> and it's really fucking sad. Yeah, 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 and it takes her a few seconds to die. It's not like one of those movie deaths where you snap the death and they just fall dead. Yeah, it's like no, she's like likes can look at him one last time while she's dying. And they they say that like if you're like if you were like decapitated like with a guillotine, uh, uh, it, your head would, stays alive for a few seconds. Yeah, th- can you imagine what that would be? I can't even imagine how horrifying. Well, that would you be. wouldn't feel any pain. It would be too much I shock. Hope not. Yeah, but like regardless, like can you imagine just the the it's a few seconds of awareness about what has happened to you? Yeah. is this incredible kind of horror. Give you a chance to look down your own throat. <laughs> One final penetrating glance at your executioner. Great, that's exactly the thought I want to take with me is yeah. I venture off either into the afterlife or as my brain just slowly starts to fade away. Like, that's the last thing I want to think I'll, about. I'll want to not my her. loved ones, not my favorite memories, just the stump. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's an axe. Let's find out. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's sort of the the general arc of the Bone Collector, uh, yeah. that character, and that's the thing that lasts throughout the entire season yeah. of ten episodes that that aired on NBC. Um, every episode besides has a crime or a killer of the week. Yeah, the last like two or three is like this the, big the, long last, last hunt for the Bone the Collector. The last two, yeah, is like a big two parter where they're hunting for the Bone Collector. Yeah, so we've got uh, let's let's take a quick look at um, some and of these. So the now, the serial yeah. killers. I, I whined about how absurd the world of Hannibal was, uh-huh. but at least that was creative shit. It's yeah. like, I'm going to kill somebody and lay out their bodies with spores in them so they're going to rot and turn into mushrooms and leave like a body-shaped mushroom. Ah, that shape. one was creepy, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's like all these, so like they're creative and they think about like the psychology of these people and mm. it's just really morbid and weird. Here, it's really perfunctory. Here, the second episode um, <laughs> pissed me off real bad just because it's not well-written. Mm. That's called God Complex, and uh, basically they're finding a serial killer who kills people based off of Greek mythology, uh, but, but, but a very of, bad understanding of Greek the mythology. The kind of Greek mythology, like, as you learned it in the second grade. Yeah. Like, like not, not detailed, not, you know, just sort of big stories. Uh, and so, and the, it's all the really obvious ones everybody knows about, so it's the Icarus yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the, the Orpheus story. It's, you know... No deep cuts. It doesn't require a Lincoln Rhyme type intellect to understand what's going on. And what pisses me off is that you've got you run into the situation where you have created this character, Lincoln Rhyme in particular. He's supposed to be a super duper genius. Yeah. And his crew, like Amelia, may not have like 
those like rich library smarts, but she's very intelligent and observant. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the computer tech guy who's very intelligent and observant. You've got the forensic lady who's very intelligent and observant. You've got the the hard-boiled cop who's seen it all. Mm -hmm. These are people who are at the top of their game. So when they find out that one of the serial killer's likely patterns is going to be the Orpheus story... Mm -hmm. And they find out that this one person who witnessed the murder as a child and has now grown up and is a musician, they visit that guy and they try to make sure that it's like, okay, it's not him. He hasn't gone crazy or anything. Okay. But um, yeah, the killer doesn't seem to be going after Orpheus. uh, So we'll leave him with his girlfriend. And then half halfway through the episode, Lincoln Rams is like, wait a minute. The story of Orpheus Ends really badly for Orpheus's yeah. girlfriend, not so much Orpheus himself. And I'm like, yes. Now, I appreciate that not every single human being in the world knows Greek mythology, but you should mm-hmm. because you're supposed to be a super duper genius. Mm-hmm. And that is some <laughs> very superficial. But that's not like the hidden meaning of the story. That's just the plot it's of the Orpheus and Eurydice. It's Eurydice, uh, right? Eurydice. Eurydice, okay. Um, yeah, I, uh, I had an Orpheus joke, but looking back, it wasn't a good idea. Hey! <laughs> there were a lot of these classical Greek, I have a classical Greek yeah. joke. I have a Cassandra joke, you wouldn't believe, uh, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, th- th- that was my bag on Twitter for a second. Yeah, um, the uh, there's a few montages throughout this series where we get to see Lincoln Rhyme like, putting stuff together, and they have this like big visual montage of like what he's thinking about floating he's, around. He's remembering all and, of the architecture and, of yeah, New York simultaneously. Yeah, it's yeah. set in New York, so it's like, yeah, I remember this one building, and it was built with this kind of material, and that would actually affect like what sort of signs we'd see in the basement, and that's how we know where this killer is. That's sort of, that's an interesting fact that would help you catch a killer mm-hmm. that only this, this guy or like a, a small group of people might have the, the knowledge of. That only happens, like, maybe a quarter of the time he's brainstorming, where he, like, reveals something that's actually interesting. The other is, wait a minute, the Orpheus story was actually about Sometimes something about hell, if I remember. Like, I appreciate that, like, you're not everyone in the audience is gonna want, like, the brainiest detective story ever. But well, again, well, you're... I am, but I, yeah. I am, too. I would love that. Uh, but again, you're writing a super genius character. You want them to not be... Well, I don't want to say stupid, but you don't want to overlook gigantic things like that. Mm. It's like, uh, I've talked about this a lot. There's that movie Limitless with Bradley Cooper. And (laughs) the whole plot of the movie is that he finds this drug that allows him to unlock the complete potential of his brain and become the smartest person in the world as long as he's on the drug. Mm. Um, You can't have a character whose superpower, more or less, is that they're super intelligent, do stupid things. So you can't have him, say, keep all of his pills in his coat... And then hand his coat to somebody without no, without thinking about it, mm. and then pick it up a scene later, and then in the couple of scenes later realize that his pills are gone. He would have the a he wouldn't have gotten rid of yeah. handed his pills to anybody. B well, if he did, he would have checked immediately. Or, or if that was a plot point, like he f- be, started to forget again, like he was building yeah. up a resistance. But that wasn't it. Yeah, yeah, um, there were, like there's another one where like he gets this like ultra secure high tech high rise apartment. Cool. It isn't until like the Russians that he 
borrowed money from and literally forgot to pay back. So that's not very smart. Well, not only did he forget, but earlier in the movie, he said, if you're going to borrow from Russians, pay them back immediately. Like, he didn't follow his own advice. And then they're literally, like, chainsawing through the door or some shit to try to kill him. And it's only then that he realizes that this apartment that he bought doesn't have cell phone reception. That's the first thing you check when you look at an apartment. (laughs) Hook it up to the Wi-Fi. Well, hook it up to the Wi-Fi. Just make sure that, like, you know, you when you turn on your phone, mm. it doesn't have zero bars. Yeah, like yeah. you don't want to—you don't want to like get an apartment in a Skinner box. Like it's not really going to help anything. Uh, and that's no my, Faraday cage, not Skinner box. Faraday, Faraday, Faraday cage. cage Sorry, right. I mix those two up all the time. Skinner, yeah. Faraday cage is is the cage that prevents signals. Yeah, a Skinner um, box is one. It's like a gambling thing. It teaches you like you know, you press a button and it. Oh it's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. You, know, you keep pressing that yeah, button. The, yeah. the, the the rat the rat reward machine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, and that's my biggest issue with Lincoln Rhyme is it's about very intelligent cops and they're constantly saying intelligent sounding cop things, but this is specious intelligence. It yeah. sounds like it's smart when really it isn't. Um, yeah. it, I feel like this show was designed from the bottom up to be watched while you're preparing dinner. Mm-hmm. This this is a, a police procedural. It's most network cop shows. Yeah, I, and I think this is designed in that mold to the point where they are holding themselves back from being too intelligent or creative. They want it to be kind of middle of the road, really, it is really easily consumed. Oh, yeah. This goes down super easy. Yeah. There is not a tough scene throughout this entire series. No challenging. It's it's, it's like, occasionally there's a good moment, but like, it's nothing like... I I actually tested it once. I I, uh, I I left the show going, and I went up to get a glass of water and left it running. And I came back, and I missed nothing. Like, I could still follow the show scene for scene. Yeah, that's uh, how a lot of network television mm, works. And yeah, so this this was designed to be that to the point where you, I can tell people are holding themselves back. The actors yeah. are holding themselves back. They're not giving themselves bigger moments when the dramatic scenes come. Mm-hmm. They're not you know they're they're biting into the really chintzy, not very smart dialogue with just enough energy so they seem committed but not so much that they seem like they're trying to create something big. Yeah, and which is a problem when you're telling a story which is the season-long arc about catching a serial killer who's the arch nemesis of your protagonist. That's big. That's well, but, a big story and here, you're playing it so small. Here's the thing. It isn't anymore. Well, you know what I mean. We, we that's got, you, their you, vibe, right? That's, that's, it's supposed to be but yeah. serial killer is such a, a worn genre at this point. That it's comfort watching. Uh, yeah. Patton Oswalt has a bit about this. His his late wife was a, a big fan of true crime shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she uh, authored a book and also a TV series, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yeah. And um, it's... He said that she, she wouldn't want to go see, uh, like, Sergio Leone movies, like Westerns, because they're too violent. Yeah. And in those movies, maybe three people get shot in a three-hour span. Mm-hmm. And when they do, there's no blood. They just sort of clutch their chests and slump over very or, slowly. Or it's like poster paint. It's like super fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she said, no, I can't do that. That's too violent. But then she'll go home and watch a serial killer drama about, oh, yes. And then he, uh, Patton Oswalt's line is, yes, he made a necklace out of vaginas. And it's like, that's, and she's just eating ice cream, having a wonderful time watching that kind of show. Yeah. Apologies, um, by the way, for that horrible thing when they just said, in case anyone's I'm, eating ice I, cream. At I home. am, I am quoting, uh, but yeah, yeah. That, that's that's. Uh, but that's the Jesus, that's the, that's the tone of these co- of these shows. I know, it's like the really... most horrendous things, yeah. delivered with very sort of frank pat delivery. I know, which is but, and, here's and, the thing, but they're being sold and consumed as this, comfort food. This isn't. But here's the thing: in a procedural, mm. the comfort is in the procedure. The comfort is in the, we, these horrible the things happen, works, but there's a yeah. system. And according to these shows, anyway, maybe not so much in real life, but 
the system works, and that's the that's where the comfort comes from. Mm-hmm. These things will be handled. In something like the Bone Collector, we're dealing with a case of a serial killer who's been at large for many many years. Things are not being handled. Mm-hmm. There's a serious problem, and it turns out that the person who was responsible for it is actually like a forensic analyst who went to school with Lincoln Rhyme. Mm. And like he literally like his whole like obsession with Lincoln Rhyme comes from Lincoln Rhyme just being a, a glory hog. And he's like, I'm actually just as smart as this guy. But because he always just like jumps into the room announcing he solved the crime, it doesn't matter that I have also solved the crime. He just spoke louder than me. Yeah. And yeah. so as a result, he gets all the all the attention like. Like. This should be I'm oh, sorry, this should be frightening. Mm. This should be like upsetting as a story arc that something, someone this evil, someone yeah. this diabolical is at large. And but because it's played like a procedural, it it that never sells, and it just feels like it's underplayed. There is the uh, there's a couple episodes. There's an episode called Russian Roulette, uh, which is actually kind of clever. This where, is episode three. Episode three, yeah. Russian Roulette, where um, uh, there's a possible break in a missing persons case. From many many years ago, that was left completely unsolved. Um, how that break occurs is really arbitrary and doesn't make sense. Like, oh, we found this thing that's a charm from this one person's charm bracelet from like five years ago, and I'm like, I think they mass produced those things. That could that could be anybody's. I, it's kind of thin, but it was a letter L. It wasn't so. It's unique. a letter L. Yeah. Like, come on, it's like it's, it's a one of a kind thing. It's a it's so like the whole basis of your story is pretty thin. But the clever thing is that they're in this literally tight knit. Uh, uh, Russian immigrant neighborhood and nobody is talking. Yeah. And it turns out that there's a reason why nobody is talking and they, that's because they, they solved the guy. Yeah. yeah, they solved the problem themselves and they're just like, listen, everyone in the neighborhood was like, yeah. that guy is an asshole. We killed that guy. And so we're just all shutting the fuck up. And if you cops would just let it go, we would be fine right mm. now. Um, that was kind of an interesting idea for a story. Uh, I actually really quite like the setup of the episode What Lies Beneath. Uh, this actually takes place at uh, a f- uh, college for forensic science, and they actually have a field. Oh, this is yeah. The, the this, this is neat decomposition field, and I yeah. I tried looking this up, and I don't think it's real. That's a shame, but it's a yeah. cool idea. And the idea is when you're studying dead bodies, mm. you need to study them in various states of decomposition from various places and you can't just wait for a corpse to show up at the bottom of a ravine so the idea is is that they have a field a, a, a natural a, preserve yeah and uh, they have people when they die they donate their bodies to science and these bodies are left to decompose in various states mm. so that people can study the way bodies decompose in these states so that we See. can use that information to determine where they died how long ago they died and what state they died that's an anthology series. That's a neat yeah, idea, yeah, right? This this the setting was really cool. Setting is really really creepy. It's a good start, and then just off to the side of all of these corpses, there's a brand new one. Some guy just died here, or got murdered here, fact, and we and it could be anyone because they pull, every, a, they pull a tarp off the guy. He's got an I think he's got an arrow in him, and he's, yeah. and he dies in front of all those students. Yeah, yeah, and now all and now everyone at the school is a suspect because every single one of them mm. knows a lot about forensic medicine and has access to this thing. And you know what? That's cute. That's a good setup. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a that's a good opening for a murder. And the way that that episode plays out, it's a little predictable mm. after a while. But that's actually of the done in one episodes. That's probably the best one. 
Yeah. It's a, it's pretty clever. It's got a good setup. Um, I mean, it's the, an interesting setting. The uh, yeah. ultimate, uh, like they end up going on this thing about this young kid and there's a random poisoner running around. Yeah. Um, kid thinks his mom might have died under mysterious circumstances and uh, there turns out that the, uh, the guy who's running the school mm-hmm. might have some skeletons in his closet and he's been like cremating people like before they're done checking them for various bits of evidence mm-hmm. and... Uh, it's, it's, it's a good location, yeah. it's a good locale, it, it, it uh, works mostly. Uh, the next one, uh, the next episode is called Game On. Um, what was the story of this one? Uh, the Bone Collector is back and he's got like, a, oh, right. he's got three... There's a bone, bone Collector. The Bone Collector does a thing where he he works in threes. He'll have three victims like throughout New yeah. York and when you find uh, one, there's a clue to the two others. This is the fifth episode and that's a good place to bring the... the the main character back. Yeah, this is a ten episode yeah. season, so yeah, at this point you need if you either need to bring in the bone collector or admit mm. you're not going to have a no, whole well, season long arc. It, it, it always upsets me when they have the, sort of like the big bad and then they bring back big bad in number three. That's too soon. A little quick. We bring quick. back in number seven. You want to keep the tease yeah. going? Yeah, you yeah, bring yeah, him yeah. back in the, the penultimate episode. That's good because that's the climax, mm. or right in the middle. Those are the only, yeah. only places. And uh, yeah, it was it was we got to learn a little bit more about how the bone collector operates in this version of the story and how uh, how he collects bones and we get a lot of uh, facts about it. We also get to learn a little bit more about like in rhyme. Uh, he's uh, also uh, 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 epileptic. Is uh, no, mm-hmm. like in rhyme he's an epileptic. He has a, he has like a seizure condition brought around from his overall uh, condition. Oh okay, yeah. Uh, like, and this will be this will be important like, later. Like he, he, yeah. he yeah he has like seizures though. Yeah yeah and uh, yeah and if he's if he doesn't receive care he could die. Mm. Uh, the next episode is called mm. "Till Death Do Us Part," and this had a, a clever killer twist. This also um, was a pretty cool setup. Uh, yeah. Because uh, first of all, uh, let me pause and address Lincoln Rhymes computers because they're the most absurd things I've oh seen. My God. Uh, in in uh, the movie, uh, he Lincoln Rhyme had like a big sort of curved wide screen. And, Pretty futuristic for the '90s. Yeah, and and yeah. Uh, and the Angelina Jolie character had like a little camera around her. I think it was around her neck, or maybe she wore it on her head. I forget. Yeah. Um, but she had a camera that he was always looking through. Yeah. So um, and they contacted through an earpiece. Yeah. And yeah, and he was uh, he was in bed watching all, watching the crime happen on this big curved screen. Yeah. Nothing so high tech or elaborate in this. In this one, they literally attached sheets of glass to what looked like just PVC pipe you'd find in a dumpster behind an Anawalt. Yeah. And and they they tried to make it high tech by like raising it and lowering it, but you can like see the strings and like the, the stage yeah. hand kind of lowering it. They're clearly they're, they're trying to post, they yeah. composite in the image on these like three screens, but it's the cheapest looking thing. It, yeah, it, must it, does, have been, it doesn't look like a computer at all. It must have been incredibly boring to film. Like I was I I um, what's her name? Hold on, I'm trying to make sure I remember the name of this uh, one actor I interviewed. Um, I was doing a uh, Comic-Con red carpet for uh, the show Arrow, mm. uh, and I got to interview Emily Bett Ricards, who plays Felicity Smoke on that show. She did. The show's over okay. now. Um, and she was the tech person. And almost all of her dialogue is while she's, like, tippity-tapping on a typeboard, mm. on, a, on a keyboard. And I always ask her, like, what are you typing? Uh-huh. Like, what do you, you do? Are you just, like, doing, like, oh, you know, every good boy does fine, or like, whatever, mm. you, you know... 
uh, small brown, the lazy, the, the lazy quick, brown, quick, the, quick brown frocks jumps over the lazy dog. Yeah, you know, just, what are you typing? And she's just like, I'm not typing anything because if I actually hit the keyboard, it would ruin the sound. So every time oh, no. I'm typing, I'm hovering my fingers above the keys, oh. and they had all that shit in post. And I'm like, it must be so weird and hard and probably boring after a while to, to do these to kinds type, of scenes. Yeah. Anytime you're doing all this computer work in a TV show, it's like, my God, and so many people who's their whole character is just in front of a keyboard the whole time yeah it's terrible or, or yeah. like they, we always see their faces like the tech people and yeah. they're leaning forward and in, in screens and like hitting a key and saying yeah. cliche things like gotcha um, yeah there's probably it's light to light their face so we can yeah. see what it is there's probably nothing on that screen probably not so that that's that's some good acting. I also interviewed uh, I interviewed Elizabeth Moss uh, for when she played Shirley Jackson in that uh, oh, yeah, Shirley, yeah. which mm-hmm. I liked more than you, but she's a great yeah, performance it's, it's regardless. Right. She's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, she, she in that movie she's she's writing a book. Uh, she's writing. I think she's writing the book Hangs a Man, and uh, so she's typing on a typewriter the whole time. And she also did a lot of typing on Mad Men. And I asked her like, uh, "Are you are you a good typist by now?" And she's like, "I never learned how to type." Wow. <laughs> never came up. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing. Mm. Um, so anyway, I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm talking just, the tech goes to this episode because the tech is clearly designed for people who don't understand computers very well. Yeah. Uh, th- this is, this is a, a show for your grandparents or your aunts. Yeah. Uh, this, this is, um, the idea is, uh, it's, it's so easy to consume. It's so unchallenging and it presents technology and a lot of dated ideas about, police work and serial killers mm. uh it, it's clearly deliberately not up to date yeah. it's, it's also clearly trying to appeal to maybe an older audience well it's also it's say. also very demonizing um, about any time something new some new technology comes around anytime yeah. a new technology comes around the first thing i guarantee you someone who writes for these kind of shows is how can i turn that into the perfect murder yeah. and <laughs> as a result the oftentimes the first appearance or the first introduction a lot of people have to some of these new ideas or these new technologies is being demonized in the show. Like uh, there's a there's a technology called CRISPR, which mm, is actually gene splicing which is which is gene splicing yeah. technology, and it's actually incredibly promising for like cancer treatments, and it's it's like mm. could really realistically be some of the most exciting and and positive technological advancements in medicine. In mm. our in our lives, but we turned it into a horror movie. A couple yeah, times immediately already. the yeah. first thing was like I started watching like horror shows or like uh, the movie uh, Splice, yeah, yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. Movie Splice or uh, like uh, you know, that's how like Luke Cage got his powers as he was like a mad scientist used CRISPR on him. Oh no, really? CRISPR is the something like that. Oh god, and like okay. and I'm like you know what? That's not fucking helping. So in this one, uh, the idea is. One of Lincoln Rhymes' friends is accused of murdering his wife. And the idea is he was having a fight with his wife. Typical shit. I think she was cheating on him. And uh, he went out to his car, realized he forgot his keys. And when he came back, she had already been murdered. Mm. Very narrow window for someone to do this. And as a result, everyone thinks he did it. But Lincoln Rhymes just doesn't buy it. He knows the guy too well. And it turns out someone has been stalking people in their homes using their security systems Mm. so they know when they're having like that kind of a fight or whatever and then as soon as an opportunity presents itself they just swoop in kill someone and then leave 
Which, I, I like that. I like it's that as, as an MO for a killer. Yeah, but uh, it's like very demonizing of home security technology, yeah, of your Amazon yeah. Echo, all that kind of shit. Not that all those things are good. Not that well, all those also, things aren't incredibly invasive and dangerous, but it's also just basically how can we make them seem more so as much as possible. Also, when the word hacker leaked into the popular consciousness sometime in the early 90s, all of a sudden, hackers were like sort of the ghost villains of every tech story. Exactly. They just can get in. Hackers can break into your Roomba. And yeah. I, I would love to see a heist movie where they... Uh, like the the heisters <laughs> hack into a Roomba, and because the Roomba's constantly going around the floor, they actually are able to track its movements and get a floor plan of an apartment that That's way. It's actually not bad. Yeah, that, I'd love to see that plot point in a That's movie at some point. Because yeah, because th- that would like finally bring to attention how ridiculous this urban legend is that hackers can get into your Roomba. Oh my god! Uh, just so yeah, that hackers can just sort of get into your home security technology and. But I like, like that I'm sure they can, but using... how many enemies do you have is the question. Well, like, will how, they bother trying? How much the... fucking time and energy do you need to put into spying on people constantly, waiting for them to argue just so you can murder somebody? Like, you have it's to like, really want to, you know? Yeah, like, that's like, the, yeah. What, what, are, what are you doing to make money to, while you're being a hacker, a hacker serial killer? Like, what's your side job? Yeah. What do you have time to do well, to like, earn money? Again, it's a matter of, like, if they, if they really want to, they will. Like, mm-hmm. I've known people who didn't lock their cars in Los Angeles because the idea is if they want to steal my car it doesn't matter if it's locked mm-hmm. they'll just break the window and take the car yeah. so who gives a shit <laughs> like, I, don't, I feel like that's making it a little too easy but there you go um, speaking of the tech by the way uh, in the first episode when they send uh, Amelia Sachs Ariel Kebbell's mm-hmm. character out in the field to be Lincoln Rhymes' eyes mm-hmm. uh, in wherever she was going uh, they introduce her to the rig she'll be wearing, and the idea oh, yeah, is that she wears this thing around her she, neck. She, yeah. she wears like this; it's, it's almost like a vest when they first introduce it. And the idea is that it'll give Lincoln Rhyme like a three sixty degree around her, yeah. so he can get a whole sense of the. Even if she's not looking at something, he can see it. And, uh, and, and Lincoln Rhyme is paralyzed; he can he can move his head left to right. Yeah, uh, and he has uh, a little bit of mobility in one of his hands. Yes, which he can use mm. to control computer screens yeah. and also play video games with his son, who is like moved away because the bone collector is still at large and it could be in yeah. danger. Um, but uh, in the first episode, we're introduced to that rig and it's like all in like this big vest or whatever like that. Second episode, they just flat out say, yeah, we made it a lot smaller and now it's like a lapel pin. Like we can't, we can't yeah. see it now. Yeah. Because, I, I wish because she had worn the rig. I, I understand that's probably uncomfortable for the actor. I'm sure the actor hated it. I'm sure the costume designers hated it. Mm. I'm sure it was a pain in the ass in the production. It's so much easier this way, but it's also so much more interesting to the show if there's actually something cumbersome about it. Yeah. Like, you know, like there's actually like some downside to it. Like she, she has this like physical reminder of this, this yeah. boss. Essentially. Her boss is always looking at her. Yeah. There's, if, if you've ever worked in a, a like retail or worked in any place that has a security camera on you, yeah. you get a little paranoid. Is, is the boss watching me at this moment? Yeah. That would be an interesting sort of workplace dynamic where Lincoln Rhyme is essentially always breathing down her neck. Yeah. I do appreciate that they made the earpiece visible and she touches it a lot. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that kind of clarity. We've gotten so used to the notion of the earpiece in action movies that people are in desperate scenes of like some action sequence mm-hmm. and they're just yelling out into the ether and other characters can just sort of hear them. I think it's like, they, 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 har- they hardly ever mention at all that they geared up beforehand, yeah. that they all have earpieces. The, when did they get these I think, earpieces? I think the remake of Casino Royale gave everyone permission to stop doing that because there's a whole bit in Casino Royale when they're keeping an eye on a bomb maker hmm. and 
it's James Bond and some other guy you'll never see again. And uh, they're talking over the thing. It's like, yes, he's over there. And James Bond looks at the guy, and the guy's touching his ear whenever he talks. Says, "Stop touching! You don't need to touch your ear. You don't need to do that. It's like speaking louder when you're on the phone. You don't need to. It's completely unnecessary. We, you do it because you're in a movie, and people at home need to understand what you're doing. Yeah. So here they're doing that again. They really don't need to, but it's clarity. You're right. It's TV. I appreciate that kind of clarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't. These things don't bother me. Yeah. There, there. I might nitpick once in a while, but I don't actually give a shit. I, I, I don't I, like. It doesn't ruin a film. It's just I, yeah. I appreciate when they're paying attention to that kind of detail. Yeah. Because I, if especially if it's a procedural show and we need to, you know, know where what the characters do, what their yeah. expertise is, where they are in a given scene, how they're communicating with where, with one another is kind of important. Agreed. And if they put a little bit of thought and energy into the way Lincoln Rhyme is looking into the crime scene mm-hmm. as he needs to in every episode. It would be nice if there was a, something visual to that. Yeah. Uh, the next episode is called Requiem. This one is about... This is the a Mad Bomber episode. This is a Mad Bomber episode. Uh, someone's been blowing up uh, uh, various locales run by a, an allegedly corrupt uh, real estate mogul. Uh, he turns out he is corrupt, and the bomber uh, nearly blows a bunch of people up. But uh, uh, Amelia manages to stop it. And then the episode is over. Well, that, this is the one that ends with the twist you mentioned earlier, where uh, the bone collector's wife yeah, yeah, yeah. finds all the pictures, and that's how the yeah. episode ends. That, that's and, the and most then, interesting part of the episode. Yeah. The then, actual episode itself is mm. kind of disposable. Uh, the penultimate episode, directed by John Amiel. Mm. Uh, who, uh, what, are we skipping the kidnapping episode? No, the, we're, we're up to the, the last two episodes. There's three episodes, because we haven't talked about Original Sin, where the, where the congressman's daughter gets kidnapped. Oh, you're right. We did it. it, it oh, real, real fast. I, there's I an episode. Ahead. There's an episode where yeah. a congressman's daughter gets kidnapped. Uh, they find her. And yeah, and <laughs> it's kind of it's, it's not it's, very interesting. It's, it's really fine. like uh, they, they send the severed finger. Is is the the politician corrupt because he's running for office now? Is yeah. he using his daughter as for political yeah. gain? And we yeah. realize in private conversations, no, he actually doesn't care if he wins so long as yeah. he gets his daughter back. Turns he's out it's someone on the campaign was funneling money in to like it's, pay her, her sleaze bag brother's yeah. dad. It's it's not very interesting. No, it's it's the most predictable it's, kind of kidnapping story. It, it's story basically just there uh-huh. to make it. Like, to make us have to work to get to the final two-parter episode. But, uh, I apologize, John Amiel did that, the kidnapping episode. Oh, he did? Okay. And John Amiel, who did a, a really excellent post-Silence of the Lambs serial killer movie called Copycat in the mid-90s. Yeah, Copycat, I, I will go to bat for that movie any old mm-hmm. day. Copycat rules. Uh, he also did a movie in the early 2000s called The Core, which is unbelievably absurd. and Very stupid movie. And weirdly watchable <laughs> it's, a, it's very watchable he actually he actually made a couple of movies i really quite like he did uh the man who knew too little oh that was which is a very likable bill murray I, movie. I don't know why that got such heat it, when it came out it was um, very light and very disposable it wasn't like a groundhog day super hit or whatever mm-hmm. like that but the gag is that bill murray is the annoying brother of i think peter gallagher i think is it, it. peter yeah. gallagher peter, in, yeah and peter gallagher lives in england yeah and so what he does is in order to get bill murray out of his hair so that he won't like embarrass him in front of his like business buddies he he signs him up for one of those like living theater things where like you get to be a spy in this fake espionage yeah, the, thing the, the actors sort of feed you lines as you go you get yeah. to improvise a little bit of it and it's yeah. it's, it's fil- filmed out on the street so you get to yeah. go on this like sort, yeah. of, sort of theatrical sky Hunt. That was a real thing. For oh yeah, you could totally. Yeah. I think you can still kind of do that, but like, uh, but like the gag is that Bill Murray accidentally winds up in an actual super spy uh, story, and he's completely nonchalant about all of it because he thinks it's all fake. 
mm-hmm. and everyone else is completely amazed that this guy is like killing all of these people and he's totally nonplussed. Uh, it's a funny movie. It's legitimately it's, yeah, very yeah. charming. And yeah, he, nobody cared. And it's, <laughs> it really pissed me off. I thought that was a cute yeah, film. Because, and, and there's some good dark moments that come yeah. upon a, a guy who's been killed. He's like dead in a chair. Yeah. And, and he, Bill Murray thinks he's acting. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is a live actor. Wow. He's like really committed to the role. Yeah. And he like turns away. He's like, yeah, he doesn't know anything. Catch this. And he throws <laughs> something at the corpse. Bonks his, bonks his chest. Well, then there's this moment where like this, this his like super spy partner. Is it Joanne Whaley? It's Joanne Whaley. Joanne Whaley. <laughs> she, uh, she, uh, she's like upset because mm. people are dying. Mm. And He's like, how do you do that? How do you just like cry on cue oh. like that? Do you poke your eye and you think poke, about your dog dying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, yeah. It's like, I just, I, maybe I can do it too. My dog is dead. No, no, I can't do <laughs> no, it. I can't do it. You're a much better actor than I am. And, and she's like, what the fuck is the matter with and, you? And he incurs the wrath of like, like Alfred Molina plays like the Russian oh hitman is yeah. on his tail. Yeah, and, and John Emil, underrated, underrated filmmaker. Yeah. He ended up moving mostly to television, and I guess he's doing well. Good for him. But uh, did, did an episode yeah. of a new show on NBC. He's yeah. like, go. Go, go, guy! But yeah, the uh, the final couple episodes is for a while they've been trying to go back to square one with the Bone Collector, and instead of trying to catch him now, try to catch him in the past and try to figure out because he he well, at he, this point he he's was, like super smart and isn't making mistakes, so right. they figure he must have made a mistake at some point. So well, we're gonna well, try to well, figure out if he tried to be a serial killer and failed earlier yeah, on. Yeah, the idea was he's not just a serial killer; he also kidnaps his victims first because he has yeah. to sort of like torture them and remove bones and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he does have to remove them from public life. Yeah, uh, and so they decide instead of investigating him as a murderer and find out what his mo is as a killer, they say, "Well, how does he kidnap people?" Yeah, you would think they would have looked into that. Doesn't that seem like a that's like a pretty obvious thing to look. This is another yeah. case of. The smart people thinking yeah. of the dumb thing. It's uh, it's not like Silence of the Lambs, where like the whole idea of Silence of the Lambs is uh, Jane Gum, the killer in Silence of the Lambs, uh, didn't always uh, uh, like his bodies were discovered in kind of a random order. Mm-hmm. They but they and because of that, people weren't actually putting his crimes into the proper context, and his actual first murder was actually considered like his third. Yeah, and that's what makes Clarice Starling go back to like what was considered the third crime scene and treat it like it was the start of the crime wave, and that's what led to the application of Dan Gum. It's still something that they probably would have thought of, but it's a little clever, and it it's something that might have slipped under the cracks. It's not something that you, as a viewer, would have necessarily thought exactly. And whereas when this really obvious sort of twist is presented, all they want from the audience is, oh yeah, yeah. (sighs) I didn't think of that. Yeah. You thought of that ahead of me, show. That's all I asked. You made me think that I was clever for a minute. Or yeah. you seemed like you did something clever for a minute. And that's as, as yeah. complex a twist as you need in a show like The Bone Collector. But the problem with The Bone Collector is it introduces a really simple concept, which is, hey, maybe we should see if he committed other crimes. And you're just sort of like, yeah, you've been looking for this guy for how many years and it never occurred to you to see if he like also like committed earlier crimes? Feels like sort of thing you would come up with before like nine years have passed or whatever the mm. fuck it is. Like it's been a while. So um, anyway, they finally uh, find someone who he had kidnapped but hadn't killed who was able to identify him. And they do. And his name is out there in the open. And now he's basically a fugitive. And, and then the, and, the last episode of the series, uh, he, he has nothing left to lose. So he just yeah. goes on a cop killing spree. Yeah, he attacks everybody. He almost kills Michael Imperioli. 
Uh, he ends some, up at, some minor characters that we don't really care no. about die. He he puts uh, he puts a bomb in the restaurant where Amelia's parents were murdered, mm-hmm. uh, so that it would distract her. Meanwhile, where everyone's there trying to like stop that crime from happening, he's in Lincoln Rhyme's house. Yeah, and that's where the whole thing where Lincoln Rhyme has seizures comes into play because he fakes one because this guy doesn't want Lincoln Rhyme to die. He wants to like Lincoln Rhyme to be amazed Show, by his genius. Showed up, yeah. So that's that's the thing. He's like, well, you've got to save and, him, and uh, and that's a result. He doesn't kill uh, uh, Lincoln Rhyme's assistant, and it's a whole thing. And but it's Link, not bad. It's a pretty good way around that. Lincoln Rhyme so. does say aloud, however, what the audience is saying aloud. Really, this is just about jealousy. Yeah, like professional jealousy seems like such a, a, a paltry motivation to be. Become a serial killer. Well, they but they also they also throw it back in his face, which is like, no, this isn't about Lincoln Rhyme. You were doing this shit before you ever met him. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is this is who you are. This is mm-hmm. a compulsion. This is a psychological uh, 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 affliction that goes much deeper than that. That's just the excuse you're telling yourself. Yeah, and you've you've created a fixation on Lincoln Rhyme because it justifies mm-hmm. what you're doing. There, there's a one cl- another vaguely clever twist with the camera in this episode where. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, yeah. At the very beginning of the series, we got to see Lincoln Rhyme defuse a bomb, and yeah. uh, he defused the bomb, but the catwalk he was sitting on with the victim gave out under him, and it was, that's yeah, what, it was booby trapped, and that's yeah. what uh, broke his back and left him bedridden. And uh, in this final episode, they bring that same bomb back. It, it's I yeah. think it's even the same prop. And uh, oh, oh no, am I going to pull the wire now? Or maybe he thinks I'm going to pull yeah. this wire, and I think you're going to pull the other one. Yeah. And um, they figure out that uh, the bone collector is in Lincoln Rhyme's apartment, so uh, she puts the camera right next to the bomb and then, like, breaks the camera and yeah. makes it seem like the bomb went off so it looks like, from Lincoln Rhyme's perspective, that yeah. everything bombed. I thought the, the show was going to be that ballsy yeah. and kill all of the cast. That would have been amazing. <laughs> what a great ending that would have been. That would have been exciting. Not what happened. No, it's, it's uh, everyone's not that edgy a show. Yeah, there's uh, there, Lincoln Rhymes' like family is in town, and so they're they're spirited away. Uh, a cop whose like presence on the show was so negligible, I kept forgetting he was a recurring character. Guys, <laughs> and there's a whole bit where he's like he's dying, and his last words were "Watch," mm. and they're like "Watch what?" and never occurred to them until like later that day that he meant wristwatch. Wristwatch, yeah. And he had a smartwatch that he had like put on Lincoln Rhymes' son that would actually have like a GPS tracker on it, mm. so they're able just to find him. And I actually really like, like, at the end when, like, Lincoln Again, Rhyme... Just clever enough. Yeah, and then he insists that oh, Lincoln Rhyme come see him alone. And Lincoln Rhyme does, and he's just like, yeah, you know, we, we had a GPS, we actually didn't need to solve any of your stupid-ass clues this time. Which I actually appreciate, when you mm-hmm. can just skip over a bit. Yeah. Wait, we found a cheat code. Okay, okay, I'll go to jail, I'm fine, just take me to jail. But, like, go to the dam and look at the one I left there, because I was really proud that of that one. That was a clever yeah. clue, man. Come on. Like, I, I had to find, like, this really rare kind of deer that is only found, like, overseas, and yeah. that you're going to have to figure out how, I, like, the the code word that I had put behind this one. Oh, yeah. can you just go, go? There's a, there was an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, oh. where uh, uh, Jake Peralta was having his bachelor party, uh-huh. and his best friend had created, like, a scavenger hunt, but he didn't want a scavenger hunt. He just wanted to get drunk with his buddies and have a good uh-huh. time. So the one guy like faked his own kidnapping for the scavenger hunt. It's like you'll have to solve all the clues. I'll see you at midnight. Ah! And so everyone else just goes out drinking, and because they have the GPS, they know where his phone is. <laughs> so they just go there at midnight, and the guy's like, "Gentlemen, you have solved all of my clues. Present your gold coins." Oh, uh, we d- we didn't have those. Yeah, you you didn't do the scavenger hunt. No. 
then you didn't meet famed character actor Reginald Vell Johnson, <laughs> like from Die Hard, your favorite movie. Like I enlisted him to do this, and he was waiting for you at like nine o'clock after you solved the clues, and he's like, "No, <laughs> he skipped all the cool stuff." Well, I, I've I uh, I admit I I'm the kind of nerd that did that. Oh. I actually had I wrote my own scavenger hunts for some of my birthday parties. Oh, well, that's fun. That's... I pl- planted clues all over town, and uh, like <laughs> I, I, I was like literally taping clues to the back of tombstones and stuff. I got the cemetery's permission. That's um, uh, I, I last time I did one of those, I I I won something based on a cheat. And it was oh. supposed to be, they were like, you have to find a really tiny house. And the idea was that if you're walking along this road, there's one house that's like surprisingly smaller than all the others. Okay. But what we, we were just like running late. And so like, I went to like, like a pharmacy or something. Yeah. And I picked up an episode of entertainment weekly back when house was on the air. Uh-huh. And I just found the tiniest picture I could oh. find of house. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they had to cute. give it to yeah. me. Yeah. It was yeah. a very tiny that's, house. That was clever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought ahead though. I knew yeah. people couldn't just, cause the party was going to be back at my house. Yeah, of course. So I didn't want people to just run around town and say, yeah, I did it. And, yeah. and I, I win. So on, on every clue I taped around town, there was a password. You had to write it down. Okay. So, you're smart. Just, you know, make, make sure everybody does it. Yeah. Uh, o- only two teams finished. One went through every clue very dutifully and, uh-huh. and showed up on time. They won. And then after everybody else had already given up and come to the party, the last team came in and said, we figured it out. So they came in second. Oh, yeah. I, I gave them second prize. That's nice. Um, and I had some pretty nice prizes. I hope you did. Uh, anyway, and then uh, uh, in the last episode, uh, Lincoln Ryan confronts the bone collector and he actually uh, like has something like taped to his shirt, like a needle with a paralytic on it. That he like grabs with his teeth and like stabs the guy with it when he gets too close, and so now he's paralyzed. And ah, the irony. And then they capture the bone collector, and um, that's when, after they like have like a funeral for the one cop who died, there's one plot point that they never resolved because they skipped over some bits. And this I thought was clever. They said like, okay, yeah, so like there's a there's a one of the bone collector's clues was the tracking number on a package that'll arrive, like, later tonight. Mm. And they're like, well, but they found him without needing to solve that clue. The package arrives anyway. Yeah. And, and it's the, got bones in them. Yeah, and it's got, and it's, there's, a there's like, a, 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 they get a phone call from a guy who says, you got my package? Mm. And like, yeah, go outside. So oh, they go outside, and then shit. someone falls <laughs> off a building, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, shit, and, that and package who, was, from, was, like, from another serial killer. And I didn't know who that was who fell yeah. off the building. No, was it just some random it person? Mu- or If it was someone from the show, yeah. I missed it. If it was, it, it would have been cool if it was someone from the show. I don't think they did a good job mm-hmm. of selling it. Uh, but regardless, there's another serial killer out there. And now, honestly, for the first time... <laughs> you're a little intrigued. Show, my, my, my head's actually kind of swimming with the possibilities. Is he part of, like, some sort of fraternal order of serial killers and they were all working together? Oh, God. Now I'm actually kind of interested because clearly he was in cahoots with somebody. Mm. There was He had a he had an apprentice... Or a partner, or a pen pal, or something, and like just now I'm kind of yeah. I'm just or copycat. But regardless, now it seems like the world has more possibilities. And now, of course, the show is fucking canceled. Yep. And I kind of wish you'd done that earlier, so that maybe people would have been more intrigued and watched the show more rather than spend a lot of time padding this out with filler episodes. Because, let's be honest here, one or two decent ones aside, those were filler episodes, and we really didn't need them. This is not a 
an interesting show with filler episodes. It's like I said, it's a filler show. Yeah, this this is meant uh, to be a non-threatening all throughout. I think it yeah, wasn't. But the problem is, most interesting stuff is the non-filler stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as a filler show goes, this is totally functional. It works and, okay. And even though I would never, like, I wouldn't want to go back to this show. I think it's terribly dull. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they don't do anything terribly interesting with the premise. Mm-hmm. I think it's smart in a stupid way. Mm-hmm. I think Hornsby uh, grounds it really, really well. I think he's a very yeah, good actor. Yeah. But other than that, it's not The rest really of the cast is, is a little bit forgettable. Fine, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're not playing very interesting characters. Yeah. They're not playing those non-interesting characters Imperioli uh, in an interesting is way. Wasted. Yeah, he's so yeah. wasted. He's such a good actor, and he really... There's like nothing to the character he plays that like is so yeah it's it's a shame. But the, I, I would never watch this show. But I'm going to say that it was canceled too soon because huh. this is the kind of show like NCIS, mm-hmm. like CSI, like Law and Order that could chug away as a gentle distraction mm-hmm. for upwards of 15 years, maybe win an Emmy or two, mm-hmm. and then just fade away, having provided these actors with a lot of good work. And okay. I, I think. Maybe in a weird way it deserves that. It because we always need one of those. We need a couple of those. Yeah, I don't think this I, is it though. You don't think this is the no, one? No, I don't think All so. Right. Listen, I, I again I, I like bits of this show. I think there's a couple of good episodes in there, but you could have gotten them from any cop show. Like the, the filler episodes that could have been filler episodes in any cop show. Hmm. Uh I think Russell Hornsby is really is really solid. I think I I'm a fan of him as an actor. Uh it's a it's a tricky role in many regards, and I think he handles it quite well. Uh the rest of the cast is either underwritten or wasted. Mm. Uh, and I think the most interesting parts of the show are the parts of it that clearly the network wasn't interested in. This is a, this, you're right, this is a filler show. Mm. This is a show that fills time. The most interesting parts of it are the parts that don't. That, that was I, its ambition, was to I, just be a filler show. I, I, maybe. And I think the most interesting parts are the part. I think this doesn't really feel to me like a premise... That's a filler show. This feels mm. more like a movie of the week kind of thing. <laughs> okay. If this was like Columbo, and there was like every like couple of months we had a two-hour episode of this that was like one really solid Lincoln Rhyme mystery, mm. and then maybe over the course of like six of them we eventually cut up to the Bone Collector, mm. that might work. But I don't think this format works for this. I think this is need to be either a series of movies or a much shorter series of episodes, like six per season. Um, okay. I, like like a, like a Netflix kind of thing or whatever. I think that would have worked stronger. Uh, but I know I don't think this is the, I don't think this is the right way to do this I, material. I, I think uh, you could have these sort of non-threatening stories if there were uh, just if there were more violence. I think yeah. I think a, like more, if, more if, if, if it was pulpy, yeah, if yeah. it was pulpy, lurid, if it was a lot scarier in yeah. some way, if the tone were a lot more like a horror movie, like those those yeah. spy that's what keeps us riveted the to 90s, those things. Yeah, then it, it wouldn't really matter as much that the stories are uncreative because at least we're engaged, uh, you know, on a fear level. I agree with that, and I think if the tone of this thing had been again, Hannibal is the ultimate extreme of this, but if like if Hannibal is a ten. And Hannibal was a network show, wasn't it? It was, but it was considered very daring for a network show. But yeah, it yeah. was. It was extremely violent. Mm. Um, but uh, if Hannibal is at a 10 in terms of its sort of like Grand Guignol extremity, mm. if this was at like a 7.5. Yeah, that would be fine. I think that would be a good sweet spot for it. It just needs to be a little bit more malevolent, a little bit more scary. The villains need to be less 
criminal of the week mm-hmm. and more the like supervillain the, of the, the week. The, mo- the monsters who are lurking yeah. underneath the city. Like these, thing, these are yeah. these are not just typical criminals. These are monsters, and they need mm-hmm. to be regardless of whether we're sympathetic with how they came to be, which mm-hmm. sometimes we are and sometimes we're not. Uh, they need to be stopped. Mm-hmm. And that's something that this show doesn't really have because ultimately the majority of it feels like, eh, same shit, different day. Yeah. And that doesn't work. Right. And that the cops are so, unf- like, I understand they're professionals mm-hmm. and they have to be professional because if they're, especially if they're seeing this week after week, they kind of have them mm-hmm. breaking down every, every episode. But yeah. maybe you needed somebody to be like a little bit more like... Like the, the way Shocked. an audience member would react yeah. to these extreme well, situations. You had, you had someone who's new to this, a beat mm-hmm. cop who's just sort of walking into this, and pretty quickly she gets relatively used to it, and mm-hmm. that doesn't really fly. Um, I, I once uh, co-wrote a, uh, uh, like a slasher comedy uh, with somebody, and there was a gag we had in it where um, uh, there would be like the, the body would be discovered and be some horrible, gruesome thing, yeah. and the cops would be like in the movie Seven, like, have you ever seen anything? this mm. and the veteran cop would be like no and then the next time it happened I'd be like oh my god have you ever seen anything like this yeah no. once a week man and then no 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 and then like <laughs> and then like the next it was always like something so horrible no one had ever seen it before yeah. and then finally someone would just die from just being stabbed and i'm like have you ever seen anything like this yeah this this, this is pretty this is this is the huge yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like because it says every once in a while it's just like yeah this is how people die I, you know like, I, you stab I, them they die like it's it's bad but it's not really blowing my mind i, I do appreciate scenes in like this so rarely happens. I've seen a cop movie where like someone will get stabbed right through the forearm, yeah. and then it really hurts. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. But then you'll like the, they'll knock out the killer, but they'll still have the knife in their arm, and there's like the paramedics are so there. It's like, hey, what do you know? It's, no, it's okay. I've done this before. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Oh god, this sucks. Oh, this sucks. Okay, just be there with the paper towels. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like they know they know how this goes. Yeah. Like it hurts, but they it's know. Like, how it's this like, it's like someone like. who can dislocate their shoulder easily. Yeah. Uh, they know how to pop it back. It sucks, yeah. but they can do it. Yeah. Like uh, Tony Hawk has says he knows what a concussion feels like oh like he's God. fallen over so many times oh that's not good he's a skateboarder it happens a lot so um, yeah he's like oh yeah that's a concussion yeah <laughs> this well, one's not a concussion yeah yeah um but anyway that is lincoln rhyme the hunt for the bone collector whitney says cancel too soon i say not so much hmm. um, well, I, again i that's not an endorsement of the show by no, the way no, no, and i'm not, it's even, not even a show i really like but yeah. uh i feel like this is the the kind of unof- inoffensive police procedural yeah. that you could catch like when you checked into a motel yeah. and it's just on cable. I think it's funny that uh, Whitney is in some respects actually kind of almost harsher on the show than I am, but he's saying it was canceled too soon. Yeah. And I'm saying it wasn't canceled too soon, but that doesn't mean it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's somewhere in the middle. Mm. But uh, in any like, case... There's, 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 I'll say that's... And I don't say this often. There's a virtue to mediocrity. That there, there's a place yeah. for this kind of show. There is. We need something that's just easily. We need chewing gum. Yeah, yeah. you know, and it needs. This, to, it's something. It needs to be available, doesn't it? Th- this is the the pack of extra pink flavor that you yeah. that you just grab it's on bubble the bubble yum. Yeah, it's bubble yum. It's bubble yum. Uh, next time on Cancel Too Soon, uh, we'll be back with a sci-fi series about an alien spacecraft. That is flying through our solar system and just tossing chunks of high-tech debris at the planet that lands and becomes a whole thing. The technology is having a mysterious effect on things in Earth. Yeah. And it's called debris. Which is, uh, yeah, that, that checks. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk about this sci-fi series, which is canceled after only one season, That's on the next episode of Cancel Too um, Soon. Incidentally, also an NBC series. Oh, coincidence. We don't you, really think about that. Uh, if, and if you uh, if you want to watch along, it's on Peacock. Okay. It's also on, I think it's also on Hulu. 
Okay. I was able to watch it on, uh, I think, Hulu. But um, anyway, but yeah, it's available. Um, and uh, so, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening to Cancel Too Soon. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, if you uh, want to... Uh, 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 hear more of us. Of course, we have more shows here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Network, where we have a lot of exclusive programming, including shows we're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek, every single episode of the 1960s Batman, every film ever nominated for Best Picture. We do commentary tracks, online hangouts, the, the whole galore. Uh, and a very, very special shout-out to all of our patrons, without whom we wouldn't be able to bring you this show or any of the others. Uh, so thank you very much for everyone who's able to pitch in. It means the world to us. Mm. Uh, if you want to join in the conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. We also have an email address. It's letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And if you email us and want to talk about the show or anything we discussed on this episode or anything at all, really, ask us questions. Uh, we have a podcast called We've Got Mail where we answer your emails. Uh, and also we have a P.O. box for those who prefer to send uh, physical letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whitney? Uh, yeah, right into our P.O. Box. Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Whitney, uh, 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 am I forgetting anything? Uh, I also have another podcast. You do, uh, tell them about it. It's uh, going to be moving to a monthly podcast uh, in, in uh, starting in October, but uh, right now you can hear me and uh, B. Peterson talk Woo. about uh, everything that is on Ovid that we've managed to see this week. Uh, it's called All About Ovid, spelled with three O's, All About Ovid. Uh, and Ovid is a streaming service that de- offers a lot of deep cut art house stuff and stuff that played in museums. Uh, stuff for which um, the Criterion Collection is just too awful, man. Yeah, I mean, the Criterion they, they Collection they is sold mainstream. Out a long time ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, B put it this way: I've seen bad films on the Criterion Channel. <laughs> we haven't seen any bad films. There haven't been any like real duds on Ovid that we've encountered yet. Yet, yeah. And when you find it, you need to tell me because I'm very oh, absolutely curious. I okay. will. Uh, but yeah, this uh, on this uh, last episode, B and I discuss um, Happy Hour, which they caught up on. I had seen it last week, which mm-hmm. is um, a Japanese film about uh, the friendship between four women. Uh, we were attracted to it because it's five hours and 17 minutes in length. <laughs> uh, anything super long we're going to get yeah. under. And I also watched a, a terrifically long film called Hotel Terminus, uh, the documentary film by Marcel Ophuls about uh, the aftermath of World War II for uh, Klaus Barbie, one of the most notorious Nazi torturers, and how he was abetted by various world governments and lived to be a very old age and and died in prison in 1991. That's not good. Yeah, wasn't put on trial until, like, was caught in 1984, put on trial. The trial went on for a while, put in prison for life. Jesus Christ. Died in prison in 1991, and uh, it's it's about sort of the outrage of that system. So you get to hear B and I talk about Hotel Terminus and Happy Hour on the latest episode of All About Ovid. Yeah, and uh, also, uh, me and my partner, uh, uh, M. Lopez Silva, we have a soap store mm-hmm. over on Etsy. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at saltcatsoap, all one word. Uh, we also have links to, oh, we're also on Facebook, and uh, we have links to our store on Etsy from there. Uh, we have a lot of uh, handcrafted soaps. Uh, they smell lovely, a lot of different varieties, uh, and uh, we're gonna we're coming up with some Halloween designs right now. Uh, those should be available first week of October. But until then, uh, if you want some soap now, uh, every uh, purchase you get a ten percent off coupon for a future purchase. So you can use that uh, for Halloween during the holidays to make great gifts. Uh, check us out. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next time on Cancel Too Soon. And until then, that is a wrap. And uh, we'll we'll also see you next season. <laughs>
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.